Hi, this is Bob Lapine from Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. We're heard daily and weekends on Bible School Radio, 91.3 KDKR Decatur, Dallas-Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, as a senior, what steps should you be taking to get ready for college today? We're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, a lot of major changes have occurred with financial aid, and we're at that time of year where, well, supposedly the process is fixed and everything's installed the way it should be. Today, college admissions expert John Apollo is here to weigh in. John, always great to talk to you. Bob, nice to talk to you as well. How are you doing today? I am doing great, and uh, obviously you're not out fighting fires today. So, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I am doing great as well, and I'm not fight, fighting fires. Although we'll probably talk about fighting the financial aid fires in a couple of minutes here. So we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I got for for anybody who missed the last time you were on the program. This from the fun, I think one of the funniest things that has happened since I've done radio is um, John is, is in charge of the volunteer fire department where he lives. And he was literally out directing people where to go and answering, talking to me at the same time. So <laughs> I can say that's never happened before. Yeah, nor for me. And I'm, I'm glad to be sitting in a comfortable place uh, and not directing <laughs> people to help put out some fires. <laughs> we're, we're both in a better place today. Yes, we are. So let's talk a little bit about the FAFSA. And uh, last time we talked, there was a lot of changes that uh, they decided that they needed to revamp the system. And if I recall correctly, you had you said that by by December everything should be up and running and ready to go. Talk a little bit about why this is important. Why, if a, you know, if, if there's a college senior who's not done anything to get started with uh, with financial on the financial aid trail, then needs to do so. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I will, Bob. And uh, the Department of Education has changed the FAFSA form, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. And this form is like really critical. I, I don't know what the DEFCON five level or whatever, right? Like uh, the right place to be is, but it's really critical because you cannot get a federal student loan. You can't get a Pell Grant or any other federal grants. You can't qualify for work study if the student doesn't fill out this free application for federal student aid, the FAFSA form. Uh, so, you know, you've been through this uh, with your son. It usually comes out in October, and then you file it, and then you get the award letter back, and, and life goes on. Uh, they've changed the form this year and have delayed uh, when it will be available. Uh, so rather than October 1st, all of these seniors, and this is really not a great place for them to be, but all these seniors are in the in the position of trying to fill, fill out their applications for college without having any idea right now how much federal aid they might qualify for. Uh, so they're in a little bit of a conundrum there, and this uh, department guidance said that 
by December 31st, or first they were saying sometime in December, and now they're saying by December 31st, the form will be available. And so, you know, here we sit, Bob, the middle of December, and uh, <laughs> Christmas is coming, and maybe one day the FAFSA form will come as well. But uh, we are in a season of waiting uh, with the Department of Education. So that's kind of the last thing that I expected you to say. So that it is not, it's not even out yet. It is not yet out. Uh, and um, it, it now the, the last part of this is, okay, so what does this mean for, for families, right? You started there. What should a student be doing? So if you're a high school senior or the parent of a high school senior right now who's going to apply to college, there are a couple of things that would be really helpful to do right now, like literally tonight or tomorrow or over the weekend. Um, and one of them is to go uh, to a website called studentaid.gov. And at studentaid.gov, the student will find a way to, to uh, get an FSA ID. So you apply through this uh, website, and they give you this FSA ID. And FSA, by the way, Bob, is the acronym for Federal Student Aid. Um, so that gives um, the student basically their key to deal with the Department of Education going forward. So the FAFSA form becomes available. The first thing that they're going to say is, well, what's your FSA ID? So might as well go and get that right now because you're absolutely going to need it. It's free. It's a little bit of a process, but it's just collecting information. So it's really not difficult, and it needs to be done. So um, students should go and do that. And then there's another person who needs to do that. Uh, for students who are dependents. So mostly almost every high school senior right. who's going to be going to college next year is a dependent. So there's someone in the new uh, world of, of the FAFSA form who's going to be called a contributor. And, Bob, I contribute to your radio show. You're going to contribute um, as the parents of, uh, of two uh, bound college-bound kids. You're going to contribute your financial information to their FAFSA form. And in order for you to do that, you need an FSA ID as well. Now, the good news for you probably personally is that you already have one because you went through this process once before. So if you have an FSA ID, a parent, you've had some kids go through the process, you can use that exact same FSA ID on the new form. Uh, but if you're a new parent and you're going to be contributing your financial information, then you need to go and get that FAFSA, I'm sorry, that FSA ID as well. So that's one thing that, that families really should be doing like right now and uh, if, if correct me if i'm wrong at uh at, at mycollegecorner.com which is your website there are calculators there that y'all have developed and put out on the website to get an idea of per perhaps how much financial aid you'll that that they may qualify for yeah, that, that's right, Bob. And we've kind of flooded that site. It's mycollegecorner.com. Everything there is free. Uh, it's, it's really meant to help parents and students understand what's going on. But we put up a bunch of blog articles. The most recent one, 10 Frequently Asked Questions to Clear Up the FAFSA Confusion. There's another one there called Critical Student Financial Aid Terms You Should Know. Then there's another on the Student Aid Index, which is the outcome, the output from that FAFSA form. And then the last one is do these five things to get ready for filing a FAFSA. And one of those, and there are links in there to these calculators, and there's actually a link in there uh, to, in those articles, the FSA ID site, that studentaid.gov site. Just click on it and go right to the site. It's really easy to do. Uh, but one of the things that we definitely recommend parents do is use that student aid index calculator, that financial aid calculator, 
put in some of your information and we'll give you an accurate view of what the government will likely tell you the student aid index number will be. Um, and again, the, the other critical point here is that the information, the information that goes onto our calculator and will be required by the federal government are the tax return information from 2022. Uh, so that's what parents and students need to put there. Um, you also have to put some asset information like bank accounts and that sort of thing, and you can use those uh, numbers that come off of the most recent statement that you have. So uh, for those who, who have some time, and by the way, Bob, people are doing this in droves. Um, on Thursday, November 30th, don't ask me why, but we had almost a 1,000 users of our SAI calculator <laughs> on the My College Corner site. So people are doing it. I'm glad they're doing it. Um, and I, we really highly recommend because, again, it'll give the student an idea of where they fall in the relative range of being eligible financial aid. It's not going to say you're going to get this amount. What it's going to say is your student aid index is this number, and that number can be as low as minus 1500 all the way up past the cost of attendance. And, again, it's, it's based on the calculation that includes the student and the parent's income and their assets. And that's how that student aid index number is actually calculated. So what was the uh, what was the motivation for making the changes to begin with? Bob, I really think and I you know, I'm I'm one of the ones who's having a little bit of fun on Twitter and elsewhere at ex, at the expense of a lot of people were, you know, where's the where's the FAFSA and why is it being delayed? And I was outside the Department of Education and put something up on uh, on our feed or say, Yeah, I'm at the Department of Education, I'll knock on the door and see if I can help them so they get this form out quicker. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going around. Sure. But I started to really think about it and the reality is that the prior calculations and the output, which is called the expected family contribution, so back when you did this a couple of years ago, you know, you got your EFC for your son, right? And a lot of people thought, well, this expected family contribution is the amount of money that I'm going to have to pay for college, and that's not what it was. Um, but it became sort of like a proxy. It was an indication. So the government said, you know, we want to simplify this process. So they took the form and they reduced it from over 100 questions to under 40. And if you have to, like, check a bunch of the boxes, you may put in 50 in inputs. But it's not 130 or whatever it used to be or 108 or whatever the number was. But it was over 100. So they tried to simplify that form. And they also said, we really want to understand, like, what the financial situation is for this particular student. Like, how much – how needy – and that's their thing. They're trying to understand – and give the colleges in a way to estimate how needy a particular student is. So now this student aid index number will come out, and it will be a number that doesn't say this is your expected family contribution. It simply says this is the number that indicates on a scale, because an index is a scale, from negative 1,500 to a large positive number about how needy you are. And so you might say, you know, okay, John, you've been doing this a long time. That might make sense to you, but the, how do families interpret that, right? And the answer to my own question um, is to go and read some of the, the information that's up there. But, again, the, the important point is when a college looks at a student and says, oh, this student has – I'm going to make these numbers up – a student aid index of 10,000. There's another student that has a student aid index of zero – and a third student has a student aid index of minus 1,500, 
what the school is looking at in that case is that the neediest student, the one if they wanted to give the most aid to, would be the one with the negative 1,500, right? And that's mm-hmm. how they're going to use that information. It's a relative scale for them to use to dole out their need-based and merit-based financial aid. So does this in any way affect whether or not a student gets student loans being obviously student loans being yeah. separate from financial aid, but it, it does it this new format does it affect any of the, that ability? Yeah, great question. And the answer is at the end of the day, no. And so, what one of the key things here, Bob, that, that you hit on is that the student has to fill out the form, and then I said a contributor does. And the contributor is either if you're at home and, and there's a family unit that's together and the parents are there together, so they're going to use their tax return. But what happens when parents are separated or divorced, right? The contributor then becomes a little fuzzier. And the answer to that, by the way, is the contributor is the person who provides the most financial support to that student during the course of the last year. Um, So the reason I I draw this line um, is that the question then comes up, well, what if for whatever reason the contributor says, you know what, I'm not going to provide the information. Government's requiring it in order for the student to get the federal aid. And the contributor says, I'm not going to contribute for whatever the reason is. And this gets me to the very good point that you raised. In every case, no matter how much money a family makes, no matter how many assets they might have, no matter what it is on the financial side, every single student, Bill Gates's kids, everybody's kids, are eligible for some form of federal student loan, right? And so in the case, the reason I went through that whole thing about the, the, um, the contributor deciding not to contribute, even in that case, so the student files the form, the contributor says, I don't want to, that student is at least eligible for a federal student loan. It might, they're not, won't be eligible for grants and they won't be eligible for work study, but in that extreme case, they will be eligible for those federal student loans. Uh, so that um, I'm glad you identified that because that's a really critical point uh, that we're we're starting to uh, understand how this will play out as these different changes are made. And also, I think it's important to point out is that this is something that you have to reapply for every year, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, sorry to drag you into it personally. That's why I said that before. Is that you've done it before and you're going to have to do it again. So your your son who's in college and is going back. So. It's, Freshmen who are applying, so high school seniors who want to be freshmen next year, they're the, they do the first application, they get their FSA ID, and then after that, each year that the student wants more financial aid. So freshman, sophomore, junior year in college, they use that FSA ID that they have, they go and they have to fill out the form again, find the contributor, go through the whole process again so that the college can award them the financial aid. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thanks so much for joining me today. John Apollo, my regular monthly guest, is here to talk about uh, the FAFSA form and student loans and uh, you name it. We're kind of covering the gambit today. Uh, It wouldn't be a a program if if I didn't ask you to update what's going on with, with 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 students having to start couldn't get that out with students having to start back paying uh, student loan uh, payments again. Yeah, um, you know, the context for those who maybe not been listening month to month is that in March of 2020, the government or during the pandemic 
said, look, there's a lot of stress in the system. We are not going to charge any more interest on student loans. And that will require students to make a payment. And I think originally they said, we're going to hold that for six months. Um, and then lo and behold, the can got kicked down the road, and they said, okay, um, starting on October 1st, 2023, so just October of this year, we're now going to start to require students to pay interest again, uh, pay on their student loans, interest plus principal, but they have to start making payments again, and uh, we're going to start charging the interest uh, rate again. So uh, that um, went, uh, that, that mean, meaning October 1 came, November 1 came, December 1 came, and that kind of went as we thought it would. Um, it's a fiasco. Uh, there's a lot of, of, of confusion in the system. Uh, early on, some bills were sent out that were incorrect. Uh, all kinds of stuff happened. I'll say, Bob, I haven't seen or heard much in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, so I think maybe those kinks are getting worked out. Um, so it's probably uh, starting to normalize a little bit more. But um, when we talked about this uh, over the summer and into September, uh, you and I were Again, uh, at the expense of a lot of people kind of joking a little bit about, well, you know, what could go wrong? The federal government's going to restart payment program that hasn't you know, been there for almost 40 months, and we saw what went wrong. But, again, I think that starting to normalize, it seems like there are fewer articles in the paper. There's less anecdotal chatter around that, uh, that this is still a, a situation. I think they're making huge strides to try and get it on track so – the, the students are making the payments when they're supposed to. And one last thing, you know, um, they had this thing called the on-ramp, um, which says, hey, if during this, like, next year, from October 1 through September 30, 2024, if students having trouble for whatever reason, uh, we're not going to report them as delinquent on their credit profile. So I think the government kind of sniffed out that their things could not go very smoothly, and they didn't want to penalize the students um, who had some trouble. So um, I think it's getting better. They had that precaution in place. It looks like they had to use it more than they probably wanted to, but uh, that seems to be where we stand on that. You know, it's interesting. Now that you say it that way, that that uh, that runway actually does kind of make sense. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't, Bob, early on. I, I didn't didn't understand it, and, and now I, I think it was actually prudent. And I'm going to go back and also say I'm starting to come around to think that the changes for the FAFSA in the long run uh, will actually um, benefit uh, students who need the most aid. Um, there's a lot of little ang political anxiety right now. Um, one of the things we didn't say when we were talking about loans before, and I was going to say, um, there was a bill introduced um, in the House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress uh, that would say that schools with very large endowments will not be eligible to offer their students student loans. Um, I don't want to like start a little panic on that, but it, the only reason, and actually the only reason I bring this up, um, is that there's a lot of political chatter about the loan program and how to make it better. And um, you remember 2016 is when we started talking about student loan forgiveness uh, during that presidential campaign. And, you know, here we are all these years later, and the president announced just last week, another $5 billion of student loan debt forgiveness, uh, now bringing the total amount of student loans forgiven to $132 billion. Wow. Um, so in Washington, what starts is, you know, a little soundbite and chatter here or there. Uh, you know, if I were at, in the fire department at the moment, I'd say, oh, there's a little smoke. Let's go find out where the fire is. 
Um, this is a little smoke signal, I think, about where the politicians are thinking about where the loan programs might go in the coming years. So um, I think there's almost no chance that this bill will pass in this next year or two. Um, but I do say uh, it got my radar up because I've never heard uh, ever before where there was going to be sort of unequal treatment of how the loan programs are applied. So, you know, really rich schools and really poor schools, community college, all had access to the exact same program for their students. And now there's this little political discussion about, well, you know, maybe we want to change that. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere in the near term. But it's uh, certainly a, a really interesting development. You know, it makes me – it's always made me wonder why a politician would – put something out there that's got no chance. I mean, if you think about uh, how, you know, as far as campaign money that, that flows from maybe private colleges to politicians, I mean, I, I just can't imagine that ever having a chance of passing. I, I, I can't either. And, you know, we've talked about it many times of how, unfortunately, this whole issue of Student, in, student debt, student loans, paying for college, cost of college, the price that colleges charge. It's supercharged political stuff now. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, they, you know, the, right, the politicians see this and they say, OK, great. You know, I can I can placate somebody by saying that I'm not going to allow loans for kids who go to schools with big endowments. You know, and maybe that plays well in their district. I, I don't know. But. Um, it is a little concerning when they just sort of lob these bombs across the field and, you know, see where they land. And, you know, hopefully nobody gets hurt. But we see that there's almost always unintended consequences, even when they just start talking about it. So, um, like I said, I'll, I'll keep track of this and, and see if we need to talk about it down the road. John, one last question, something I've never asked, but I've always wanted to ask you. And we've got about a minute left. What prevents a parent from financing 100 percent of a child's education through student loans? Um, nothing. There's a program called the Plus Loan Program that will allow any parent to borrow up to the cost of attendance. And, Bob, the, the, I, we should talk about this one day because I'm, I really don't like this program because there's almost no credit test. They don't want to know that you can repay it. They will just give you the money. It's really not a good program. Now, talk uh, before I let you go, one more time, mycollegecorner.com. Talk about what they can find there to help out with the FAFSA. Yeah, uh, thanks, Bob. Uh, there are free calculators. There's a webinar there about the student aid index and the, uh, what's called the FEDERA, uh, the FAFSA, is it a fiasco? And then there are free articles up there as well with links to uh, different places on the federal website where students need to go, like the FSA ID and, and that sort of thing. So I hope everyone finds uh, that very helpful. And, uh, Bob, I'll, I'll wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope for much peace and love in your family and look forward to uh, catching up with you again soon. You too, John. You're a real blessing uh, every month, uh, giving your time to come on the program. And uh, always enjoy having our, our talks once a month. And Merry Christmas to your family as well. Thank you very much. This is Bob Brooks, Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is uh, isn't it almost kind of weird to say a Merry Christmas because... It's that time of year. It just didn't feel like it. Already halfway through December, and uh, it, uh, it's going to be before you know it. But it, it is truly a blessing to have uh, people like uh, John Apollo to give up their to give their time to come on the program and help educate listeners on uh, what they need to know about a very confusing subjects. 
And John is uh, considered one of the best at what he does in the country as far as college education and college admissions go. So once again, that website, free. Everything is free. MyCollegeCorner.com. Go check it out. Hey, this is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at PrudentMoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.